Give it up, baby. I've studied all your moves. Yeah, study this! <laughs> What's good, everyone? Welcome to the Forbidden Technique podcast uh, on the Fightside Podcast Network. Myself, your host, Silas Martin. My co-host, as always, Christian Reynolds. And today, since we have a uh, particularly grapply main event to break down, and that's not exactly our forte, uh, we are joined by esteemed Fightside grappling analyst, uh, jiu-jitsu black belt, and undefeated mixed martial artist, and guy who generally knows way more about grappling than me, Mr. Ben Cohn. How's it going, man? I'm good. I will not allow this. I will have to interject. That would be stolen valor for me to say I'm a black belt. I'm a black belt in internet jiu-jitsu. <laughs> I'm a purple belt, so yeah, I'm still officially a purple belt. A moral black belt. Yeah, I think of you the same way uh, Ben Askren thinks of himself, you know, when <laughs> Matt Serra asked you know, when, when Matt Serra asked him, where'd you get your black belt? And he's like, well, I only actually got to brown belt, but I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm a black belt. If you disagree, come take my black belt off me. Like you're a black belt, Ben. Fuck it. That's fucking funny. I like that a lot. Thank you. <laughs> right? Who's who's gonna take your black belt, man? Yeah, it'll just knock him <laughs> out with your jujitsu boxing. <laughs> I am Vitor Belfort's actual son. Yeah. <laughs> jujitsu. <laughs> jujitsu, Victor Belfort. I can't believe they got his name wrong. I still can't believe they got his name wrong. Oh, it's great. Thanks for having me on, by the way. Yeah, no, it's was great to have you on, man. We've wanted to do it for a while. And um, yeah, regarding this weekend's UFC Fight Night card, it's actually a pretty strong card, top to bottom. There's interesting, well matched fights all the way up and down. Yeah, regarding this main event, uh, I think I owe the UFC an apology because a few episodes ago I'd had a few beers before we started recording and we had to talk about a Rosenstruck fight and I kind of just went on uh, an insane ramble about how dumb the matchmaking for like main events is in the UFC. It's absurd to me that people have complained about this main event because like you can pretty much just put any top 10 matchup from lightweight and below as a five-round fight and that's like fine. These are both like well-rounded athletic fighters in their prime coming off of good win streaks. The winner of this fight should be getting a really big name, getting into the inner circle at lightweight, the, the secret elite matchups that these guys just don't get. And this, this is a good fight. I'm happy it's a main event. So Ben, specifically, what do you make of these guys like uh, grappling games since oh, they're obviously very well-rounded fighters, but I think that's kind of their bread and butter and... This is a, I mean, this is just seems like an incredibly close fight to me that I'm struggling to pinpoint any real stylistic edges for either fighter. So, uh, what do you think? Um, so I, I kind of want to get in your reads before, before I say anything because I, I want to kind of, I want to see if we can use them as a specific jumping on all points because the actual matchup itself, it, I think it's going to come down to, um, like, all right, so. Uh, it's, it's 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 interesting. There's, there's specific things that are going to make the grappling kind of cancel each other out. I think um, 
mm-hmm. but there are certain edges that each one has over the other. For example, um, uh, Mateus, uh, Mateus, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but Gamrot, he, uh, the way he initiates his takedown or his primary method is to get that really low single. He really likes to get, uh, to dive from too far out for you to really counter him in any meaningful way. Um, you're not going to, you're not going to soccer kick him, right? Cause like, that's something that you just don't really train. Um, Except he did get soccer kicked, I think, by Guram. <laughs> Actually, yeah, now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, that happened. <laughs> but in general, he's not going to get soccer kicked. Guram's just a fucking psycho. Uh, um, and, you know, he did adjust. And that's something that's important, right? Because he needed to adjust. Where he did start to create these longer grappling machines. And he would shoot double legs. He would try and uh, initiate a strikes uh, from Guram so they could duck under and hit the double. And he did get those later on in the fight. Um, but that's that, that, that range, I, I don't expect that to be how I'm on plans on entering, right? So he's not going to just come with these huge, just insane power strikes the way good was going to do, where he kind of left himself open if he was mistimed, if he was timed mm-hmm. by a uh, camera. So what, what are your guys' initial reads? Let me, let me, let me ask you, what are your initial reads when you take a look at this? Nothing crazy. You don't have to go too in depth just to kind of like see where you're at. So first thing that occurs to me is I do, I do think a lot of the grappling will cancel each other out and we end up having the, the K1 grappler match, which to be fair, both of these guys are also you know, perfectly serviceable strikers. Um, uh, that Guram Kutataladze fight that you were talking about for Mateusz Gamrot just seems like a pretty good analog for Armin Saryukian. And just the fact that um, Gamrot has an absurdly low takedown rate and it's all just about like you say just spamming that low single keeping a pace on just constantly reshooting it and then constantly attacking in transitions um i just think Armin Soyukian uh, i mean i mean that that, that performance against uh, Islam Akachev is a loss that has only aged well and a fight that he like probably could have won with just a couple of strategic adjustments i think it just gives me confidence that he would will be able to stay on top of scrambling out of uh, Gamrot's single leg attempts while being confident enough in his base as a grappler and wrestler that he's just not going to be that worried about the phase shifting threats and the stuff in transition and should should just allow him to just run his kind of like uh, like, like pressure kicking and counter punching game because Gamrot also doesn't seem to have fantastic kick defense and like yeah I mean Guram Kutataladze it was a very close fight, but I thought, thought it was a perfectly deserved win for Guram, and he mostly just outscrambled uh, Gamrot and then kicked him up whenever they were at range. So uh, I kind of... I agree with that call. I scored it for Guram as well. Yeah. kind of think Armin Sayukian's going to do that. So that's kind of where I'm at. Was it, what, do you, what do you think, Christian? Uh, I don't have any like concrete reads on the fight, I don't think, but I think that... It's a uh, really hard one, right? Yeah, I think Sarukian is going to have a lot of success tracking Gamrot down while Gamrot exits because Gamrot's kind of defensively liable and he was getting clipped by some sneaky shit and making Diego Feo look like a really good boxer until he until he finished him. So, I mean, like, CDF is a good boxer, but if you're making him look like a really good boxer, I think Sarukian's young enough and just quick enough to to get a lot done. So there's a couple of things that are are uh, I want to ask. Did you guys watch the Frivola or the Geologist fights? So Frivola really made him work his ass off for those takedowns. And in fact, I was able to get on top of 
him. And uh, so, and geologist was as well. Uh, he was able to get on and down, not kind of hold him for a little bit. Now, both Travola and geologist are highly underrated as fighters and grapplers. Giago's one of Charles' better wins on his way up to actually getting good wins. Giago's UFC debut that fight as well. I have a lot of respect for Giagos as a fighter, but my question for you is if somebody like Giagos um, could uh, get him down and hold him down, if Favola could scramble out multiple times, if he could get his uh, top position controlled multiple times, stuff multiple takedowns, uh, the question is could Gemma and I would I would say yes I would say that he obviously can keep up with his transitions the problem is is that I think that we are all kind of in agreement that Armin would have the advantage on the feet um, he's the more dedicated pressure fighter but he also can fight better off of his back foot while Gemma can't um, like um, Surugian is really good off the back foot um, hitting reactive doubles as well um, but when he's on the front foot, his jab really works very nicely. I think he'd have a really, really uh, good time intercepting Gamma on his entries with that jab. Um, uh, the other concern is he's just much smaller than Gamma. Um, he's definitely fought shorter guys, but no one as uh, dedicated to wrestling and as good at it as someone Gamma size. Since Islam Makachev. Yeah, exactly. And that's a concerning thing. Now, is Gamrat as good as Islam Bakachev? Um, maybe. I don't know. Um, Arman has obviously improved a tremendous amount. He's the more powerful of the two, I would say, um, particularly with his ground and pound. He's also much more uh, dedicated with that. Uh, it's, it's a rough fight to call. There's, you know, will, will, will Gamrat's kind of size and, and strength uh, ability to maybe keep up with Armand and control him with his size, be a difference maker, or will you know Armand be able to just keep him on the feet and just scramble away any time? I don't know. I don't really know. Um, yes. My gut read is Armand, though. Yes, I, I think this is just an incredibly close fight, and it's probably going to be a razor thin 47 48 either way it just seems it seems very well matched everywhere and like i say it seems difficult to pinpoint a particular stylistic edge for either guy uh, anywhere um i just think uh Armin Soyukian, like he he could have won that makachev fight if he had just wrestled defensively it, it, it was just he, he couldn't let it go he had to take his arm down and just with a bit more strategic awareness that that could have been a winning fight for him and um, he's a smaller lightweight, but he doesn't seem to have any real issues handling the physicality of the division since in his last fight he fought one of the biggest weight bullies in the whole uh, UFC in uh, Joel Alvarez and just absolutely handled him and beat the fuck out of him on the ground. Um, yeah. So I, I think I'm feeling Armand for this one. I hear that. Um, but I also do want to point out one more thing. I, I think it's really impressive what he did to Jeremy Stevens. I know Jeremy's on a long losing record. Like, I don't know, no, I agree. All that shit. I agree. But he just yeah, so just insta subbing Jeremy Stevens. Insta subbing. Minute and five seconds. That's insane. He's so good. But yeah, I think I'm. Uh, I'm gonna pick Surukin. It's gotta be Surukin. Yeah. Yeah, I think whoever wins is gonna make it look easy. 
even though it is a very competitive fight, I just think it, like the optics are going to make it look like whoever wins would have always won. Oh, one more thing I also want to point out is uh, the difference in their styles actually like on top. Um, um, Gamma, first of all, I really love the way he tries to hold over the hips. He hits, he, he really aggressively goes for those knee cuts also. Um, it's a very classic uh, top jiu-jitsu game looking game. So I really like it. I'm obviously very drawn to that. Well, Armand's is a little bit more wrestling, where um, he's 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 going to be more focused on landing those those punches and transitions. And he's uh, when he's in close guard, he's going to just step posture up, throw some punches, try to open up the guard a little bit, throw some more punches. Like he's he's looking more to do damage. Uh, while Mateusz is a little more focused on control, it seems, and flowing from transit uh, uh, through transitions from position. Um, to get to go for a finish, um, so I, I really like that contrast between the things. I think it's gonna be really interesting if we do get to see it. I really do hope we do. Um, I hope this is a lot like the um, the Guram uh, the Guram fight. Um, do, do you think the fact that this is five rounds um, changes the dynamic in any way? Because again, I'm not I'm not sure that that. Uh... I'm not sure that that has a massive bearing on the fight for either fight. They both seem pretty well conditioned. They I both think, seem pretty well conditioned, uh, but I think that it does their better. Gamrot, I, yeah, I think I think Gamrot has the more labor intensive style, but it's also it's also a style that is constantly you know uh, wearing on his opponent by putting them in states of defensive grappling. So I feel like it could it's it's probably not going to play a factor. I, I I feel like I feel like they're both ready for five. Mateusz's um, style would benefit tremendously if he had just a little power. Because if he could do a little bit more damage with each strike, like each individual strike, it would put opponents in much worse spots much quicker. Um, I think it would be more important for him to have a little more power. Because I think Armin, like, he's already powerful enough that he can just not, he can just cold clock you already. Having a little bit more of that, eh, I don't think it would make too much of a difference. Compared to what it would be down stuff. And that's kind of sucks because like you want to be that guy who's gonna keep going, going, going. But you know, not as damaging uh, it seems as Twitch shots. Yeah. Should be a great one. Really surprised that we all uh, landed on the same pick pick, but uh you, you still got some time to hang around and talk about some of this undercard band? Let's go. I'll do my best. Okay, let's go. Coming event, Neil Magny versus Shavkat Rachmanov. And, uh, you know, Rachmanov getting the Neil Magny treatment. Neil Magny thought of as a classic gatekeeper. But the weird thing about Neil Magny, you know, he's not like, uh, it's not like a Jeremy Stevens type or one of the gatekeepers that if you can just, like, show a couple of things where you can fight against type and, like, stick to a disciplined game plan where you just do, like, three things, you'll just win and you'll be an elite fighter for the division. Like, Neil Magny is just so, like, matchup dependent because he's just just a weird, sneaky, hard fight for the division. And it's a strange, unique skill set and physicality matchup that a lot of people just don't know how to deal with. Um, and, so, like, like, he does end up just making a lot of perfectly competent fighters look really bad. And then um, there's certain matchups where he just gets wiped off of the face of the fucking planet. And I kind of think this is one of those. What do you guys think? I think Shavkat is going to knock him out 
on the ground in the first round. <laughs> where, where, where did you possibly arrive to that conclusion, Chris? I don't know. I'm just I'm feeling a vibe, and I'm gonna run with it. Uh, I think he's going to look like the longer fighter against Magni, even though Magni has one of the longer reaches in the division. And I think Neil is way too. Well, he's got an 80-inch reach. There's no fucking way he's both longer than Magni. No, no, I think he's going to make it look like that. I think he's going to make Neil look like he's he's just like falling short a bunch because Shavkat is just really fast and Neil is slow-handed. And then I think it, it, he's just going to like get top position and then elbow him really badly or something, or just like land a nice straight shot and then finish him off like within the first four minutes. You don't have faith in this hypnotic bridge. Um, I rarely do, but I like I, I started believing in it, doing it after it seemed he to go keeps away. Getting away with it. He keeps getting away with it. No, he actually aggressed. Uh, like like really aggressively clinched uh, Max Griffin. Like Max yeah. Griffin like was genuinely doing a good job of not just walking into clinches and hanging around with them. And he also showed in that fight just what a sneaky ground fighter he is because he also himself has some really nice long boy ground and pound where he can hit like good power on shots from weird angles when he's riding that yeah. just like normal people can't because his That's arms so are 600 inches long. Let me put it to this one. Do you trust Shavkat to... Okay, so it comes down to two questions, actually. One, do you think that Shavkat is just going to run through it? Like, just mollywop it to the point where it doesn't matter what Nagami tries to do. Similar to, like, a Lorenz Larkin. Like, a Lorenz Larkin performance, where it's just wild, insane shit. He just overwhelms him. Or, or like, the think- Rafael Dos Anjos one. You know, just as soon as he gets on top, it's just over. Yeah. Or do you think it's going to be more like a Santiago Ponsonibio fight where he has, he does a couple basic things, just beats the shit out of Magni preventing the push. Do you think he's capable of number two? Uh, no, I think he has too much killer instinct to have the Pons fight. Yeah, he's That's not going to so let it well. slip away. Yeah, I don't think so either. So the question comes down to this. If he's going to be coming forward aggressively, if he gets clinched up, do you think that he's going to be able to separate, beat Magni there, or get Magni down and just beat the shit at the top. If you think the answer is yes, then yeah, there's really not much Magni can do here because he's not going to be a finishing threat. Um, so he would need to be able to just slow the fight down completely and, you know, drag him deep and make it up. So I'm not sure he could do that. Um, but I think it's interesting to know that if Shotgun's going to come forward. The opportunity to clinch will probably be there. That's what I would say. Yeah, um, uh, I think Shavkat's just too fucking violent, and this is just one of those where, where where Neil Magny just just doesn't have any answers and just just kind of gets destroyed immediately uh, for for the reasons above. Because like Neil Magny, even though he is a good ground fighter, he, it's kind of only when he's like able to dictate the terms of the ground exchanges. Like I say, when Rafael dos Anjos got on top of him, the fight was basically over immediately, and Shavkat. Shevkat just has like the most disgusting ground and pound in the sport. Like when when he clears the legs and gets real tall and starts throwing straights, it's fucking over. Like Magny's a good grappler in a 
like in a vacuum kind of, but when he's not the grappler in the matchup, he's um he's very susceptible to being grappled. And and he's also like I don't think he's gonna get anything done in the clinch. I think if they clinch up, uh Shavkat will probably just like take his back and then turn that into a takedown and then fuck him up with ground and pound from turtle or something. Like I could see a ton of scenarios where Magni gets front choked. So, like, that's also possible. I tend to agree with the assessment you're making. Um, when Magni is the worst grappler, he just gets struck. It's not that often. Um, you know, that we see that. But, um, yeah, I think that the, uh, the safer bet here is Shotgun. Um, yeah, definitely. With a finish. Although Magni is tough as hell. Oh, definitely. I, I, I think Neil Magny is underrated. I always, I always appreciate Neil Magny. Uh, Josh Parisian is fighting the Black Samurai. It's a sloppy heavyweight fight. Every card needs one. It's fine, whatever. Thiago Moises. I'm going to say Josh Parisian by spinning hammer fist. That sounds about right. I have no fucking clue who either of these guys are. <laughs> That's good, good for you, Ben. Um, Thiago Moises is fighting Christos Thiago's. That's, pre- that's pretty cool. It's a good fucking fight. It's a good-ass fight. Um, well, well-matched fight, right? That's good. I, d- I don't know what, how much I have to say about it, but it's good. A little word, Moises, Moises is too small to be able to kind of like do too much to Dodgers uh, clinch or, you know, shooting. And I don't know if he can win a pure striking matchup or like, if he's getting it. Um, that's a really good fucking fight. Fuck. Yeah, I think... Yeah, if it, Give me some really good scrambles. I think Giagos is like getting past it. And I think if this fight was made like a couple years ago, it would be really competitive. But at this point, I think Moises just having pretty decent defense and Giagos probably being the slower guy in the matchup. I think Moises might finish him in, in like the first two just with like being forced to counter. Cause I think Jagos is insistent enough to not let himself lose like a, a slower pace fight. Like Moises would prefer to win. So I think Jagos is probably going to like push a pace and then get fucked up by counters and maybe get polished off in the second. So if Jagos is in, you know, relative prime condition, does that change your opinion? How the fight works? Uh, yeah, he, he, like, he has a lot of losses despite being a good fighter, which shows that there's, like, an underlying issue he has. Like, uh, and it's a good fighters, of course, like, he, I mean, he's been beaten by the champion, and he hasn't been finished very much, but in his last fight, he got dropped by Sarukin, and Sarukin's a good striker, but he's not a guy I think of as, like, a, a knock-you-down-then-ground-and-pound-you type finisher. Against so someone that has like a really that, good chin. About that, he got caught in a really awkward position. That's more true. than anything. True. He was fully squared up. He was standing up from shooting a takedown, and he just got hit with a clean hook. That's true. That, that would knock a lot of people. Yeah. It. It also like it was a pretty good while ago at this point. It was like towards the end of 2021. So. Like, I don't really worry too much about his recovery. I don't know. It could just be the doomer in me that's being like, oh, well, he got knocked out his last fight, and now he's fighting a guy that hits harder than the guy who knocked him out. So 
I'm not sure about that. I think Moises can hit harder. He's just like way, way less eager to land punches. Like Moises, in my opinion, dropped around to Alexander Hernandez. Like just in the striking, like he got outboxed in the first round, just like trying to be defensive because he didn't throw enough. He he could have thrown two punches in one round. That's the thing is, is his defense still like it's not that good to, to yeah. really insulate him in the way that he wants it to be. That he wants it to be able to. Moises is a more versatile, but because he's more versatile, he's less successful version of Tyron Woodley. Uh, he can do okay. more. He throws very all of his counters are just like, like a power shot that he he sets up with like a parry, and that's pretty much his striking game. Aside from like some some fucking elbow checking. So you reckon that's going to work against Christos Diagos? I th- yeah, I think Diagos is like too limited on the feet, and Moises has just insane hips. That's fair. Um, Umar and Omega. Umar Namagamadov is fighting Nate Manis. Uh, seems like Umar probably should be getting a step up, but Bantamweight, like like the entire like top 20 is all booked right now. And it's, I mean, Nate Manis is high, way higher ranked as a Bantamweight. Is he really? Because, I mean, I mean, he's also like, I'm not taking anything away from Nate Manis. He's a good fighter on a, on a good win streak. He's definitely dangerous. Long, fast, straight puncher. Um, I know, he's probably going to get rear naked choked by Umar Megamadov, but should be a good fight. Probably. Um, his affiliation is nice guy submission fighting, so how is he going to get submitted, dude? Uh, fucking good point. Speaking of how is he going to get submitted, I'm sorry for your loss, Ben, but uh, Adolfo Vieira is fighting Chris Curtis. <laughs> just, just, uh, just mean. I don't want to talk about it. Wait, wait. Talking. That's mean, but Vieira has been looking a lot better recently. I mean, he has, but do you, there's there's any way, you, do you think there's right any up? way he's not getting knocked out no, by Chris Curtis? It's one of the most insane, like, experience differences that you'll see at the at, like the upper level of MMA. Why the fuck would they make this fight? What the fuck were they? So they mean. How I, do you I don't do know, this? Man. What is? What do you try? Why do you hate jiu-jitsu so fucking much? Because, well, no, Vera's a kickboxer now. Did Dana's wife get... Did, 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 did Dana's wife get fucked by a BJJ black belt or something? One of the Gracies, yeah. Helio Gracie fucked Dana's mom. Yep. Nice. And wife. Uh, some fights. Carlos Solberg's fighting Tafon Nachukwi. That's actually... Like Carlos. Carlos is a cool fighter. And he's incredibly handsome. Well, yeah, oh my god. Like, what better, a, that's better. fucking bullshit how handsome he is. Like, you're you're a douchebag. <laughs> it's just douchey how good looking he is. Alright, next like Chidney Brown is fun. He has a lot yeah. of fun. He's fighting Nuerdian Beke. I think that's how you pronounce his name. But I don't yeah, think he deserved like a, that win over Kakamaka though. No, no, but like that's a pretty decently matched fight. Like TJ Brown is um, off-brand, off-brand Corey Sanhagen, but like in a not bad way. In the fun, yeah, he's a lot more limited in his shot selection, but yeah. he's he's pretty he's pretty crafty and like makes makes good makes good adjustments. He's so off-brand that he's an acquired taste. Like you know, Ooh. you know when something's really off-brand, but you kind of prefer it to the original if it's like much yeah. different. 
That's what he is. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's a good, a good way. Having Piper versus Sergei Morozov is a fucking fantastic fight as well. It's ridiculous. This, this, this card's bananas. Like Sergei Morozov, like yeah, lost to DSDA, but was absolutely fucking beating his ass until he just got outfought by. That was him. fucking wild. It was one of the fights of the year. Fucking crazy, and just like the the experience and craft of DSDA coming through to be able to get himself back into that fight when you know he was basically having the Peter Yan fight all over again because Morozov is kind of off brand Peter Yan, which makes him still very good. Halligan Piper's just really tough and consistent, hard to out wrestle. That that's a fucking great fight. Um, J, JP buys fighting Cody Durden. I don't know if I've ever seen Cody Durden hit a cross counter before, but I'm sure he's going to do it 8,000 times against JP buys. Uh, yeah, I, this is the the and, can uh, versus can matchup. Wait, 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 you made the correct choice. <laughs> yeah, and also Vise was like... Did you like, see that fucking guy? Yeah, Vise was also like a bit of an asshole about it. Yeah. How dare she leave me? What? Yeah, like, she anyway, didn't fucking do what she was, bro. Yeah, like, alright, it's alright, sucks. Does suck, bro. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Brian Kelleher is fighting Mario Batista. That's, Ooh, that should be that's, fun. That's cool. That's like fun. Brian Kelleher just actually getting a well-matched fight for once when he normally only fights like elite talents or cans. This is just a cool, well-matched fight with a solid, well-rounded guy. They should have a banger. Yeah, it'll just be a banger fight. Kelleher has been under... He's, he's a good fighter. He really is. I like watching him fight. And he's just so... He's like inconsistent because he loses a ton but he's consistent in the way that he fights normally and he's gone so he's gone a, a lot more consistent oh like, yeah recently in his career he's actually like put out uh like high output round winning decision decisions recently whereas he for a long time has been just the like wily opportunist will lose fights until he suddenly doesn't kind of guy and he's still trying his best. I like Brian Kelleher. Yeah, he definitely hit had like a maturity thing that he hit when he was 32 or something where he's like, okay, I'll stop being the guy that will brawl with John Lineker and I'll just like take a decision by wrestling if I have to, which is fair. It's his job. Yeah, but we'll always still love him for actually just throwing down with John Lineker oh, yeah. and getting knocked the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, and we got Jinny Freddy versus Vanessa Demopoulos. I think Vanessa Demopoulos is going to fuck Ginny Freya. <laughs> I am inclined to agree. Yeah, I like Ginny Freya. I feel bad. Not going to be fun. I'm going to yeah. say second round submission. Yeah, sounds about right. Um, okay, that's the card. Is, is there any uh, stuff you want to plug real quick before we get out of here? Uh, I mean, to listen to this, you know everything I've done already. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, buy some jerky if you're bored and want some jerky. That's it. Yeah, where, where do people where do people find you online? Uh, at Agent Ben Ten on Twitter, uh, at Ben Cohen MG on Instagram, and my uh, jerky Instagram is Ben's underscore Beef Jerky. 
to find my jerky to order at bensbeefjerkyspot.com. It's uh, better than pretty much any jerky you'll ever taste. And I kept the prices as low as possible, $16 a quarter pound for most flavors. We have two flavors that are $21 a pound. Those are more expensive ingredients, so sorry. Uh, also, I saw hot sauce, which is pretty good. Badass. Like, uh, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, we should definitely do this again at some point, particularly if there's a, if there's any fights that you're like super into that you want to come on and talk about. Every fucking Oliveira fight from now until the end of time. Oh, hell yes. This is a Charles Oliveira podcast. I am the Charles Oliveira whisperer. I predicted every goddamn fight. I'm the only one who picked it for the goddamn fight site. It was me. And I'm very fucking proud of that. I rode that train. Yeah, riding it to the wheels, pull the fuck off. Okay, so if you enjoyed this content and all the other great stuff that the fight site puts out, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, just a pledge of $3 gains access to a huge library of really high-quality analytical fight content. Um, and then a pledge of $5 gains access to a Discord server where we have a great community full of interesting fight fans from a ton of different backgrounds. You can talk to staff. We're all very active. We're always getting together on, on fight nights in the VC to watch stuff. It's always good fun. You should come hang out and support the fight site. This has been the Forbidden Technique Podcast. And we'll catch you guys later. Peace. Later.